the passage this morning. It's 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 to 7. And it's come to mean a lot to me over the years, sort of in a slow burn. And over the last few weeks, I've returned to it again and again. I'm going to read it once. Then I'm going to do a bit of an intro to it. Then I'm going to read it again. And then I'm going to ask for your interaction. Um, I've got a lot of pre-prep here, and depending on where the conversation goes. But I really want us to kind of do what the passage says to do at the end, which is reflect on what I'm saying. So here's the passage. This is Paul writing to Timothy. It's the second letter that he's written to Timothy, hence 2 Timothy. He says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete doesn't receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. So like I said, this is, I think this is the last letter that Paul ever pens in his ministry. Um, he's in prison, and he is writing to Timothy with the specter of death looming large over him. And in fact, he does uh, face death in a few weeks' time after writing this letter. This comes about four years after his first letter to Timothy. So there's a four-year gap. Timothy Timothy is a protege of Paul's, a church-planting, pastoring protege. Remember, when they're planting churches and figuring out how do we follow Jesus together as a community, they're like the first, they're like the early adopters of what it means to do church. They were kind of not making it up as you go, but they were trying to learn from their Jewish roots and the scriptures and scriptural principles and um, the apostles' teaching. What does it look like to be the church? There's a lot of questions. So even though church planting today and pastoring today involves a lot of mentoring and uh, requires a lot of uh, careful observation and work, it demanded even more then. And Paul had poured a huge amount of his life into Timothy, preparing him. And in the second letter, he is preparing Timothy for a lot of the hardships of ministry. He doesn't want Timothy to presume that being a pastor is... Uh, to be kind of specially blessed by God, and that means that what we do for God and as we cooperate with God, it's just going to be smooth sailing. Paul wants Timothy to understand his own lived experience, which has been following Jesus and serving his church and advancing the kingdom has been awesome. It's been an amazing source of many blessings. But it's come with its own scars and it's come with its own wounds. And it's not for the faint of heart. And this is the last letter Paul likely believed he was ever going to be able to pen Timothy. And so he puts a lot of really important end of life, I'm passing this on to you truth. And so it's really, it's a good letter for us to study. It's a good letter for us to study as parents. It's a good letter for us to study as grandparents and to be kind of emulating this posture of none of us know how much time we have left. How are we mentoring and coaching and investing in the next generation? There are three major illustrations that Paul puts before Timothy and then says, reflect on these things and God's going to give you more insight. 
He talks about being a soldier for Jesus. He talks about being an athlete for Jesus. And he talks about being a farmer for Jesus. So I'm going to read the passage again. And I just want you to make note of one of the dimensions. Maybe maybe there's a few things. I shouldn't maybe constrict it to one. But as we go through the passage again, just allow yourself to begin to think about what are the characteristics of a soldier? What are the characteristics of an athlete? What are the characteristics that make a good farmer? Because Paul is telling Timothy, as a pastor, but really for, for anyone who's serious about following Jesus, these three illustrations are kind of pregnant with a lot of implications and meaning. And I want to discuss some of those with you this morning. So let's read through the passage again. You then, my son, so Timothy's not his biological son, but Paul is saying, you're dear to me like a son. I feel like I've invested in you like a parent would invest in their firstborn son in his cultural context. He says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. So let me just pause, do a quick prayer, inviting God to give us insight into this passage as we move into 2021. God, I pray that as we reflect, we would move into this year with an awareness that is colored and that is... um, formed by these illustrations. Through our conversation, through our sharing, through our observation, God, bring to light things that we as individuals need to hear, we as families need to hear, couples, and a church. We invite your spirit to illuminate our minds and hearts. Amen. I come back to this passage often. Well, no, let me redo that. I don't come to this passage often enough. When I do, it's incredibly helpful at kind of recentering me and recalibrating me. It's a passage that I've gone over and over and over the last few weeks when I've had time to reflect on it, on walks, um, when I have a, a moment alone to sit and ponder it. And I really wish that I had spent more time coming back to it and reflecting on it during 2021. I think there were lessons that I could have learned and could have integrated into my walk with God last year that probably would have been made more obvious to me had I um, given this the proper attention. So that's why I wanted to do that this week. Next week, we'll get back into 1 Samuel, but for now, I want to talk about this passage. So as it relates to something in the passage or the illustrations of soldier, athlete, farmer, What is something either that you notice or an observation or what is a characteristic of one of those things and how it helps us maybe to think about what it means to follow Jesus? Who's going to break the ice? (laughs) 
Rick's dropping his mask. He's like, I'll do it, Pastor Jeff. Thanks, Rick. Yeah, very good. So the observation was even in the off-season, an athlete, because of their identity, continues to train. So they're not competing, but they continue to train. And in the, uh, I think it's at first, I can't remember if it's first or second Timothy, but uh, Paul says to Timothy, train yourself to be godly. He says being a disciple is like being an athlete in that there's kind of no off-season. You don't kind of go hard for a few months and then say, oh, well, I just kind of coast now. It's no big deal. The training might look different depending on the stage of your athletic career that you're in or life stage, but you're still training. You're still saying, how do I continue to develop and grow my character into the character and mindset of Jesus? So I like that. And and certainly, Paul wants Timothy to understand that being a leader, being a pastor, being a Christian isn't something you just kind of dip into and then out of. It's something where you're always in process. What else do you notice or do you think about coming out of the metaphors of soldier, athlete, or farmer? I noticed you were saying there's three different ways in our walk. And one of the ways, we are a soldier. Another way, we are a farmer. And another way, we have our own personal run, the race that we're going. And he's basically explaining that uh, as a farmer, it is about the harvest. It's about planting seeds. Mm. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a really good lesson there and to learn in the three different ways in our own personal life as we walk with the Lord. That's great. Great observation. Uh, in a nutshell, it was Paul uses three illustrations because one is insufficient to hold together the three different dimensions of our faith yeah. that each points to a different reality. The farmer is hardworking and is concerned about a harvest. The athlete is concerned about their race and and making sure that they're running according to the rules so that they win, and the soldier is preparing for war, war against um, sin, the flesh, and the devil, and all the ways that can manifest, bringing light into darkness. Yeah, excellent. So these are um, sort of like dimensions of the Christian life that maybe depending on the year, the circumstances, we might resonate more with one than the other. You know, For me, I think this is gonna be my theme verse for this year, but maybe for you, it's just one of the illustrations that you feel like this is a year where I really need to work on thinking and reflecting about what does it mean for me to be a soldier for Jesus right where I am, where God has placed me. What else do you notice? Faith, were you going to say something? Yeah, faith brought attention for those listening online to the fact that it says, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs. Or what was your translation? No one? Uh, no one gets in, no one 
no one gets entangled in the affairs of this life. And that's been understood different ways. Um, I'm trying to find one of my notes here. I know John Stott had a good reflection. Um, Oh yeah, here it is. He says, you know, the Christian is intended to live in the world, but not kind of conform to the pattern of this world. They're to live in the world as a, a signpost to the kingdom. So that means you're going to obviously have to be involved in regular everyday stuff, but the key word in this passage is entangled, right? You're going to have a responsibility to prepare meals for your family and do certain tasks that don't seem like they're kind of moving the needle in terms of the kingdom of God, although we are called to do all, everything from eating and drinking to the glory of God. But there's going to be a lot of regular life. The passage isn't saying, oh, if you're really a Christian, you're going to divorce yourself from all that. The challenge here is to not get entangled by it. Think of Jesus' parable of um, the, the, so, the sower and the seeds, right? Where one of the seeds grows, but the thorns and cares and worries of this world choke it out. A soldier understands they're part of society, but they're distant enough that they don't get distracted by secondary, like secondary issues don't become primary. Their primary focus is how do I please my commanding officer? And so there is this picture of the soldier that is focused and that is disciplined and has learned a hierarchy of attention and a hierarchy of investment. And they haven't allowed things which might be good, but are on the lower end of that hierarchy to trump things that are at the top. And that obviously, depending again on stage of life, our particular sense of call, our gifting, that can be looked slightly different for every Christian. And it's a constant battle to say, God, am I, I know I'm involved in these things, but have I become entangled by them such that they're actually becoming an unhealthy preoccupation. It's just, it's taking too much of my mental and spiritual ram to focus on these things. I really need to scale back the attention and investment here and scale it up over here. Any other observations? Soldier, athlete, farmer, Gord. Yeah, 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 Gord just talked about that the word hardworking, that principle, that characteristic jumped out for him as the farmer, that you, um, I mean, I, I don't even have a, I can't even garden, so I don't even know what, I mean, my, my wife jokes that I was built for farming, she says I was built like an ox, I should have been born three centuries earlier and I could just like drag heavy things around a field, but I really don't know much about farming, but I resonate from what I know of it with what you said, is, which is, you never wake up and, and kind of think, oh, today's gonna be an easy day. Like you're always sort of braced for, it's gonna be like hard to really hard. Like that's sort of the, the, the bandwidth that you're thinking you're gonna be operating within. And that's helpful for us as a Christian, right? Like Paul wants Timothy to know, again, don't think because you're a pastor, that means you're somehow blessed or you have these spiritual gifts or you've been a protege under the great Paul. Like, wow, everyone's just gonna like, um, do everything you say, and it's going to be a smooth sailing. Paul is saying you have to have the mindset of a farmer. Every day you wake up, you can't be surprised when just getting through a day takes a lot of work. 
And this is certainly one dimension of this passage that I wish I would have thought more about in 2021. Because at different times in 2021, I was tempted to certain kinds of self-pity because I kept trying to make this happen or uh, grow in this area or go here or zig and zag in this direction and my plans were constantly frustrated. It would have been helpful for me to have this illustration locked into my heart and soul and to be like, you know what? Farmers don't have the luxury of pity parties. You've got to kind of wake up and say, okay, I mean, you know, we have farmers who, you know, went from beyond difficult to they woke up one day and they're having to rescue as many animals as they can and their whole livelihood is disappearing before their eyes. But they're still going into the field. They're still going and rescuing what they can, helping their neighbors. Being a farmer demands an enormous mindset shift from a life of ease and comfort to say, the normal pattern is going to be challenging and difficult. And that's not a sign that God has abandoned you. It's not a sign that you've done something wrong necessarily. It's just we live in a fallen world where farming literally doesn't come easy and neither does living to honor God. Any other reflections, Deborah? Awesome. I love that. Deborah's comment was that the farmer doesn't get all of the crops. There's a sharing and a generosity. The farmer isn't just working for a harvest for themselves. That's not what motivates them. It's not to say, oh, I can get all this and I can just accrue more and more if I'm skilled. The farmer says, God bless me. I want a big harvest so that, yes, I can take what's appropriately mine, but so that I can extend it to other people. You know, we're... I don't need to tell you, we're moving into a time of increasing economic uncertainty with inflation and all the stuff that's happening with the housing market and all these things. It, it's going to become increasingly tempting for everybody in this room to just start holding back in terms of generosity in ways big and small. And it'll feel responsible to do that because Ooh, times are lean, times are tight, who knows, future's uncertain. Will we allow this illustration to challenge us to say, again, not to be reckless, but when we do have prosperity in our lives, whether it's a lot or a little, we are still responsible to look for ways to extend that to other people. And it doesn't always mean monetary uh, generosity. It could be generosity with our time, with our talents, looking for ways to say, God has really blessed me. There's been a harvest of this in my life of growth. How do I extend that to other people? And how do I give to the things of God so that there's a harvest of people who hear the gospel for the first time, respond to the gospel for the first time? I've, I've been on a lot of frontline conversations over the last few months where I've been able to sit down with people who are asking questions about faith or who are resistant to faith or um, antagonistic to faith even, and we're having long, consistent conversations. That doesn't happen if the generosity of this community doesn't overflow in a way that allows me to not have to work and to be able to prioritize those kind of conversations in my life as a pastor. So the farmer is thinking about a harvest, but it's, about, it's more than about them. They're thinking about others. Great, great insight. Maybe one more that you 
pick up on or notice. Can I share one that I thought was new to me? Because I've gone through this passage a number of different times. I've taught on, on it before. I think three years ago I did. Um, I realized, and this uh, comes back to the gentleman's point at the back, that each of the illustrations bring out a different nuance, a different character of the Christian life, is that the athlete, maybe of all of them, it's actually an athlete's responsibility to take care of themselves. Um, the, I, th- I don't know if it's gone higher than this, but I know about two years ago there was a big, it was kind of like a wow moment in the sporting world because LeBron James disclosed that he spends a million dollars a year on his body. He, set, he budgets a million dollars a year, whether it's through therapy, like all, all the different, all, different kinds of stuff. That, that's not like nutrition, that's just like reparative, restorative, all kinds of um, little tweaks to his daily schedule so that his body is kept in optimum health. And he's doing that because he has a lot riding on the health and strength of his body. And you can, there's one way to look at that that says, well, it seems very selfish, it seems very self-centered. But when you understand that, again, like a farmer, he's trying to extract the largest harvest as possible for his team, for his community that he represents, for these endeavors that he's involved in, you actually see a paradigm of stewardship happening there. It's quite interesting. And again, maybe as we move into 2022, one of the dimensions in this passage that we need to take is, I need to do a better job of, like an athlete, taking care of myself. Not simply so that my life is easy, not just resting for resting sake, but really entering into patterns, heart, soul, mind, and strength that are physically restorative, mentally restorative, relationally restorative, so that I can consistently show up in what God has called me to do and be a blessing and not be run down. We're going to get run down in the Christian life, but there's a fatigue and a grind and being ground down that can come from the fact that we just haven't stopped ourselves. And that's certainly a a sinful pattern in my own life where I just do like one more thing, one more conversation, one more fill in the blank, and I get really tired. And I moved into into December very, very tired. I tried to take a lot of time off um, over the last two weeks. And as I have, like my enthusiasm starting to come back, my desire to spend extended time with God is coming back. My desire to pray for and with our community is coming back. And so taking time to rest, like literal you know, physical rest, mental rest, having fun with friends, that's a part of the Christian journey. I think Paul is saying you're going to need to have people in your life, Timothy, that are going to be able to pour into you. And you're the pastor, but you're not these people's savior. So you've got to learn when to step away, and maybe that's a message we need to hear as well. So let me wrap it up by saying, although I think Paul's, one of Paul's major points is that the Christian life is going to be challenging, and it's going to be hard, it's not going to be easy, each of the metaphors has its own nuance. A soldier suffers by being forced to ignore normal affairs and kind of just live in an unconscious, reflexive way and to instead pursue 
the uh, pleasing of his commanding officer. An athlete suffers by training properly, right? An athlete trains, and they understand that training is going to mean discomfort. And the farmer suffers by working hard, showing up every day, recognizing there's a certain grind to life. And through all these metaphors, a common theme of perseverance and pursuing and continuing in diligence shows up again and again. And the reason why I've come back to this over the break is because I realized another common theme across all of these things is that a competent athlete and a competent soldier and a competent farmer are actually prepared for anything. They, They are able to adapt to their circumstances and to do so in a way that allows them to continue to progress. And that's what I want for my life. That's what I want for our life as a church. I think that's a good posture to say, God, we do not know what's coming down the pipe in 2022, but I want to be prepared for anything. So the discipleship challenge that I have for us this month is I would really encourage you to read over this passage every day. Talk about it with people when you get a chance. Talk about it with your kids, um, as a family, after church on Sundays. If you want to go to the next level and try and memorize it, that's great. But I I think that verse 7, again, is a command given from Paul to Timothy. Reflect on these things. The Lord will give you insight. And don't think the insight, it just stops once the sermon's done. Talk about it um, in your three-to-one groups, in your small groups. Um, Reflect on it. Maybe watch movies that have to do with soldiers or athletes or farmers. And if you're trying to find a really compelling movie that has to do with farming, watch The Martian. Rick, you see what I did there? The Martian. It's kind of a farming movie, and it has a lot of lessons for you. Okay, so read over this passage every, just, just for the month of January. Let's just be kind of steeping in these illustrations and allowing God to teach us. Let's pray.